G'day and welcome to another edition of the Big W Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier and today we're going to go back 25 years to celebrate a very, very important time in the history of our football club. Uh, but I also uh, want to mention that uh, coming up in the next podcast, we'll be talking about the structure of the 2021 season, how we fit into it now that we're officially a part of that 2021 season. That announcement has been made. Uh, who we play against, when we play them, where we play them, and all those things have yet to be ratified. We'll do a podcast with our president, Martin Carter, CEO, Mark Penaluna, and our senior coach, Mark Williams, to detail uh, what 2021 looks like from a playing point of view and also, obviously, from the supporters and members' point of view. Uh, very, very importantly from that point of view. But today we're going back to 1995. 1995 was actually... Pretty good year for the club in some ways. On the field, our seniors finished uh, fourth, got knocked out in the uh, elimination final by Frankston, but had a fairly successful year. The Rezies also uh, notched up seven wins, just missed the finals. But it was a pretty good year under coach Donald McDonald uh, on the field. But off the field, there were all sorts of things happening. And there were things happening uh, well away from uh, from Churnside Park, from Avalon Airport Oval, that uh, the Werribee Football Club had no control over. And the man who was at the helm of that at the time, the Victorian State Football League head, was Ken Gannon. And we're going to talk to Ken today about how it all unfolded, how a merge was put on the table, how a merge was taken off the table, how a licence was taken off the table, and how those things all came into place, and what the Werribee Football Club did to make sure that it's, as it uh, as you well know, uh, still exist today. How did all that happen? Well, you're going to find out. Ken Gannon is uh, my first guest on the podcast today. Uh, as I said, at that stage, the head of the uh, the VSFL. Uh, the uh, VFA was about to become the VFL, and there were all sorts of changes going on and all sorts of dramas going on. So we'll get to the behind the scenes of all that, and then we'll talk to Ivo Havard, who, of course, was part of a, an enormous team. Well, not enormous team, but part of a very dedicated team of people who got together, put their heads down and their bums up, and uh, made sure that uh, our football club survived with the help of the community of Werribee who, uh, who really did pitch in. So all that's going to unfold in the next 20 minutes or so. Of course, this podcast wouldn't happen without the great support of some of our fantastic sponsors. I want to highlight uh, Balan Holden, who of course have been our major sponsor now for uh, just a couple of decades. Uh, thanks to Tino and all the team down there at, uh, at Balan Holden, to Paul and Mark and everybody. Uh, they're open for business. If you want to check uh, what's going on, double nine seven four double eight double eight is the number or just jump on the website and find out uh, any questions you have about COVID-19 protocols or servicing or anything you want to know by all means give them a call also CSCG that's the CS Consulting Group Uh, of course uh Finance has become a very important thing for all of us uh, and a very uh, uh, keep your eyes on it uh, a part of our existence of recent times. So please give uh, the team at CSCG a call, double nine seven four eight triple three. Go to their website, cscg.com.au. Correa Waste, of course, have been great supporters of this podcast, one three hundred two six seven four six nine six. 267 4696 That's Correa WM. Dot com.au. 
KFC. Now, tell me truthfully, when isn't it a good time to have some KFC? And now might be just the time uh, to sit down, uh, grab a bit of KFC and listen to the rest of this podcast. Um, our thanks to uh, everyone at KFC for looking after us. And uh, Bendigo Bank, 97427411. Check out the website. There are banking partners, uh, the Bendigo Bank in Watton Street. Always been terrific uh, to the football club, and they certainly look after the uh, the members and supporters of the Werribee Football Club and the Werribee community. But let's get into this week's podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Firstly, let's get to uh, Ken Gannon and talk to Ken about what was happening at the time because it was when the VFA was uh, turning in to the VFL. No, not just the name change. The name change was sort of, uh, it came a little bit later, but it was one of the conditions of getting everybody together because, um, you know, we wanted to know what the State League of Victoria was going to be called. Yep. We thought the VFL had more credibility to it than the VFA. That's probably why the name changed. But it wasn't. We didn't want to take over the VFA. The VFA people actually came to us and said, "We're in trouble. We we need to do this because they could see the writing on the wall." And and they weren't. Uh, I mean, and that was mostly financial trouble, uh, wasn't it? Initially, and then you found out that most of the clubs were basket cases. Yeah, I mean, the, the year we didn't know this, but the year that the people came to us. The VFA had lost $265,000. I mean, they even funded a, a state game against the Northern Territory, of, of all things, to play at Collingwood, and where the VFA finals were played from time to time, and lost a lot of money. So if they'd had another year of doing that, if they'd lost another $250,000, um, they would have been pretty much insolvent and then had to... The only asset they had then was the uh, freehold property down there in Jollymont, the um, you know the offices. Yeah, and so that would have been it. But once that was, so that was from a corporate head office sense that the, the corporate body would have been gone, and it couldn't help the um, the clubs because the clubs then once we sort of got in and found out more, they they were in diabolical trouble as well. Was it more a geographical thing then that uh, the spotlight fell on the western suburbs because you had Port Melbourne, Williamstown and Werribee all within fairly close proximity? Yeah. The challenge at the time leading up, you sort of got to go back how we got to 95 or or thereabouts when we were talking. Um, Part of my job at the end of 91 was when I left Geelong to go to what was then called the Victorian State Football League which was uh, the first attempt to try and set up a, a new state body to run Victorian football, um, with the AFL becoming the national body and zoning going away and all those things that happened in other states, like South Australia, West Australia, still had zoning to their state leagues. Um, and Victoria was moving away from all that, and so there was a void, and we had to say, well, what were we going to put in its place. Um, the first step in that was the talent development program became known as the TAC Cup and over two or three years that evolved from six teams to 12 teams and coincidentally 12 teams have always been the magic number in Victorian footy with the <laughs> VFL having 12 clubs and so um, 12 teams in the state league talent program and we then wanted 12 teams mm at a senior level on top of each of those clubs. And that's where you ran into the problem. How do we get the clubs who couldn't afford a lot of money, who couldn't afford to do what was done by the VFL teams at the time in terms of relocating kids to their uh, their um, club, to get to training, to live from the country to the city, 
even in, in metropolitan Melbourne, you had Essendon when they were in the zoning days. Their their zone was out at Ringwood. Yep. I mean, they were spending they were spending like a hundred thousand on taxi fares. They were spending <laughs> a lot of money just getting kids to training. Now, if we had a zoning system that then said to the VFA clubs, "Well, you've got a zone, but you've got to pay all the costs of bringing those kids from wherever to your club," then the clubs couldn't afford it, so the yeah. kids wouldn't have got a game. I mean, it, it just we couldn't just say to the VFA clubs, "You're now the VFL clubs, and you've got to do all the things that the VFL clubs used to do." But all the money went to the AFL clubs in the AFL. It didn't square the corners. It didn't sort of work. <laughs> you know, it didn't. That wasn't anywhere to go. So that's where we ran into the problem of how do we get the resources from the talent program supporting the VFA clubs if they're all in different places? And so you're right. The, the Western suburbs had probably some of the more uh, valuable clubs, if I can use that word, valuable because the community supported them, valuable because they had a history, yep. valuable because they were well run. You know, you only have to compare, like you said, Williamstown and Port Melbourne and Werribee with, I don't know, Oakley or Dandenong and that sort of situation where they're all clubs, but they had greater disparity in who was running them. Yeah. Um, mind you, Williamstown also had its problems of the day. They had some debts that you couldn't jump over either. Yeah, well, then their debt was obviously... And they got, and they got, out, and they got, out, and they got out of it, as they are now very well run. yeah. Yeah, no, they did. But they, I mean, the 95 was a dreadful year for them. They didn't win a game. I think they won one reserves game and uh, and no games in the seniors. Yeah. And they were, you know, yeah. four or $500,000 in debt. Werribee were uh, seemingly, yeah. if you looked at it, had finished, I think, fourth in the seniors, um, had won seven games in the reserves. They were a couple of hundred thousand dollars in debt. So they certainly weren't, you know, um, uh, travelling all that well. And then Port Melbourne was in the middle of that as well. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the the October thirty first ultimatum, where you virtually said, "Here's the Woodville West Torrens model. Go away yeah. and see what you can come back with." Did you did you expect them to come back as a merge club, or what did what was what was your initial feeling on how they'd kind of react to it? I guess we were just hoping that um, they would see how serious the situation was that we we couldn't fit them all into the the model, and that they would see that something had to give. That didn't come about, and we ended up where we are today, which in one sense is not all that bad. But we, we were just sort of trying to focus everyone because at that time everyone was just fighting for their own survival without yeah. looking for a solution. Yeah, and that's perfectly natural. I mean, Footscray just gone through that. Yeah, uh, in in a Richmond had just shaken the tins. When I say just shaking it, we're talking about years sort of leading up to it and all that sort of business. So Richmond and and that so those sort of uh, problems were uh, in a football world part of growing the game so rapidly and that was part of technology and, and all that sort of stuff and the VFA clubs weren't immune to it either you know they probably didn't have the resources to shake the tins and get out of trouble as the VFL clubs did or what Footscray did compared to I don't know where it be Williamstown Port Melbourne all being in the west but yeah look we were just wanting to get to a point where we all could agree on a solution and I wasn't part of the backroom talks, but Werribee and Port Mel, oh, sorry, Werribee and Williamstown seemingly got close, but at the end of the day, it was not going to happen. Yeah, uh, they were very much uh, the footy clubs were run on passion with not a lot of uh, fuel to kind of, uh, in terms of money yeah. and stuff. They were all hand to mouth kind of existence, uh, as we knew, but at some stage, a financial reality had to be faced, didn't it? It did. I mean, someone had to pay the bills and, um, you know, you can't go to someone and say, you give us all the money and then let us do what we want to do. Well, why, why would anyone do that? And 
you know, led to the point where the clubs realised that they had to solve the problem and someone had to come up with a solution. We tried to do that, but uh, everywhere you turned, um, you know, the great strength of any footy club, but in this case we're talking about the VFA clubs, were their community roots. And Werribee's community roots, at the end of the day, gave that club strength to go on. Yeah. And um, I can remember the day that the people who came to um, advocate for um, their continuance when the board was making its decision, you know, Donald McDonald came in and, and uh, he was supported by the city council. Michael Maloof was then the uh, chief executive, general manager, I forget what they called him at the time, yeah. of the of the council. And they came in representing both the football and the community and to say how much they wanted to go on. So it's those sort of things that money can't buy. You need support from people. Port Melbourne and Williamstown all had that. But when other clubs were under stress, they couldn't demonstrate that. Ken, you were painted as the bad guy in all of this because you were you were basically the the, the voice uh, and the and the face of, uh, of of what was then the VFL. Um, was that was that a hard time for you? I mean, was that a, a, a pretty crappy time for you? Oh, it wasn't much fun. Yeah. I mean, not something you, you go out looking looking for. But oh no, you just moved on. I remember that day there was the, the protest, and I even drove up and sat in my car and looked at the protest. No one knew I was there, but. Um, you go and go and have a look at that to see how I many people actually turned up and then and move on. But oh yeah, look, it was it was a bit of a nuisance. But um, I know out at Preston when we did something with the Preston Footy Club, I had to get an escort into the back door of the council to meet the administrators because there's right. no council at the time. You know, all those sort of things. Sort of uh, people love their footy club and, and they're entitled to demonstrate to show how much they love their footy club, that's true enough. Yeah, so there, there was a there was a touch of the up yours Oakleys about about what happened? Yeah, I got counsel from Ross Oakley to say, how did you handle all this? And um, uh, yeah, look, that just shows that there is some fabric to the footy club, that people care enough to get out and support their club and, and um, tell everyone about it, and so they'll stick around, and, and Werribee certainly uh, did that. And you know, in a lot of ways, that gives people, oh, well, we just can't close this club down because there is a lot of people here. It's a foundation. What we've got to do is try and find a better way of moving forward. So that's probably at the end of the day what happened. Uh, Ken, as, a, as someone who's been involved in the football uh, industry for many, many, many years as an administrator, would you do it differently now if the same kind of thing happened today? Uh, I don't know that I'd do it differently because, it's, you know, the circumstances are going to be different. Hindsight's always a great thing. Yeah. And what would you have done? Would you have just let the VFL club say, when they came to see us and say, you know, the four or five presidents that came in to, to see us, say, look, we don't care. You, you're just going to have to row your own boat, knowing full well that that boat would have sunk. You know, that that boat was that was not going to float. That was just not going to be there. Yeah. Or you, you, if you get in, you can't say to the rest of Victorian footy, we're going to sell, sell you all down the drain because we're going to ho- hope to help these few clubs. I mean, there was still another thousand clubs in Victorian footy because we were charged with the responsibility of everybody, not just the state league. Yeah. You know, we, we wanted to see country clubs win. And there was a lot of change going on with Metropolitan Footy League. You, you look at the changes of uh, all the various leagues around uh, Melbourne and they had to be modernised to face the challenges that ultimately came in, in, in all sorts of ways in terms of um, the challenges for football, you know, the, the drugs and the gambling and all those sort of things had to have a, a modern way of managing itself. So nothing stays the same. All sorts of community issues that flow through a footy club because we've got so many footy clubs, so much part of the community, and everything that happens across the board also happens through a footy club. And 
one of our strengths have been that we can use that football club community to help the wider community. And VFA clubs probably had become insulated rather than wider looking. They weren't, commun- you know, there's a lot of problems with how they got players from metropolitan leagues into VFA clubs and fights over clearances and all those sorts of things. Yeah. We, we had to solve all those problems. It wasn't just which of the VFA clubs should survive. It was how do we plug everything in that they all work together. Got a feeling that uh, football is going to play a very important part in our kind of social reconstruction uh, post-COVID-19 too. Well, I think that's big, what I just said, as much as true today as it was back then. You yeah, know, we're, we're part of the community, you know, and that's how we communicate with each other. Um, it's the biggest sport. We're entrusted from the councils and the community point of view with a lot of assets, and we want to make sure that those assets and footy grounds and meeting places are um, used to the best outcome. October 31, 1995 was a, a red-letter day. Ken, you're uh, indelibly etched in the history of the Werribee Football Club, and we uh, we thank you so much for you spending some time with us on our podcast. Okay, thank you. Good luck. Right, my thanks to Ken Gannon for his time, uh, and he was there at the rally. We'll hear more about that in a moment. Let's go to the Werribee part of uh, this uh, story. And uh, at the time that all this happened, Ivo Havard was the general manager, as he'll explain how that happened too, of the uh, the Werribee Football Club. The president was Bruce Montgomery, had a very hard-working team, as always, behind the scenes, uh, backing up our senior coach, Donald McDonald, at that time. Uh, but let's find out uh, exactly how it all panned out from the Werribee point of view and all the little uh, meetings and things that went on with uh, Ivo Havard. Uh, let's see how it's going with Ivo. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Kev. All good from me with Netflix uh, front and centre of everything, <laughs> every, everyone's mind these days. But no, all good. Well, if they made a Netflix series about uh, what happened 25 years ago, it actually be it actually would be pretty good viewing. Um, let's go back to uh, October 31, 1995, when all this sort of when the when the you know what hit the fan because that's when uh, Werribee and Williamstown were given the ultimatum. Well, it came out of the blue. Let's let's be honest. Yep. But um, you know the. Uh, consideration for a merger was to align a, a club with the Western Jets. That's where it all, all started, but um, you know, good old Werribee with uh, 1965 as a start point, 30 years old, versus uh, Willie 1884. Uh, a bit more history there, Kev, but um, <laughs> but it was interesting. But And, and you know, in, in the next breath, it was sad because uh, Lots of accusations, lots of emotion and, and uh, heartache in the end, Kev. But um, yeah. needless to say, you know, believe it or not, the shootout at OK Corral, probably <laughs> I'd call it, it uh, it's called the Laverton Club down um, yep. in um, Aviation Road, Laverton. It was sort of like decided we'd meet there to discuss the merger. You know, it was in the middle. Williamstown to Laverton, Werribee to Laverton. Uh, funny, funny aside, Kev, I, I know... Now we said about Netflix and the, the story around the merger, but apparently um, Williamstown in a reunion two years ago did a reenactment of the, <laughs> the whole thing. So uh, that was very deployment. Well, they knew. I mean, Greg Swan and a, and a, I think a, a season launch a couple of years back talked about the fact that at ninety they, they were gone. As far as he was concerned, they thought that was dead and buried, and they were finished, and they were literally. They threw the last hand grenade in the room to try and uh, salvage it, and they did. Who were the kind of constituents? Who were the who were the Werribee heavy hitters in all of this? There was yourself and obviously Bruce Montgomery. Uh, well, Monty, president and leader, and um, 
I'd served up as the uh, general manager for that year. We enlisted Turtle, Greg Welsh, our, our great Turtle, who uh, sat at this uh, at the merger talks, and Dave Brown was sort of the, uh, the softer, silent level guy we brought in. But uh, I don't think Dave got much to say because you had Monty and Turtle and myself sort of uh, going a bit hard at it, or you know, trying to trying to push our our case, but. Uh, and the other From, side of the table was Brendan Curry and Greg Swan and... Uh, and uh, well, Kaz wasn't there. I've, I've, I've thought about this, but Kaz came in as a general manager after this meeting. Okay. But uh, Roundy, Barry Round, Greg Swan, uh, John Hyatt, uh, John Grieve, I think, was the other guy representing um, Williamstown. But, you know, Swanee was probably only late 20s then and yeah. hadn't, hadn't really got... The, the the full grounding of everything, you know, uh, uh, Roundy was certainly the mouthpiece, and uh, he had a favourite word at the meeting, and it was only two letters, Kev, no. <laughs> yes. And I think I think you know we've been maligned out of it a bit, but uh, we're a bit coming, weren't prepared to uh, to chat, but. Uh, you know, it was it was two proud. In the end, it was two proud clubs. You know, strong leadership on both both sides. That uh, uh, you know, we're in the ring together and um, trading trading blows a little bit, but uh, it wasn't getting anywhere. The colours, the, the home ground, the name of the, the the new merger, the club song. You know, you know, we're we're, we're right right down to the. The, the real detail it wasn't yeah. about the finances or anything else. It yeah. was just the main cut and thrust was was how how it might look. You know, there wasn't much. You know, there wasn't much ground to be to be uh, conceded. But it really did. Parts. It really there really was a lot of work done in terms of it got to the Werribee or the Western Seagulls and the the song had been decided and there was going to be games played half uh, half a year at uh, Jelly yeah. Ground, half yeah. a year at Churnside Park, and then eventually Churnside Park would be the the home ground. So it it actually gone a long way down the street to actually becoming a merge club. Oh look, but that you know was was still on the on the knife's edge and. And um, you know, we, Willie will tell you when we walked out of the meeting, we realised the gloves were off. And, yeah, you know, it was going to be hard, and you know, but but their resolve was to uh, to try and stay as an entity. And um, the concessions, or the you know, they were just background bits and pieces to to keep BFA or BFL house buddy, you know, happy with, yeah. with things that. But behind the scenes, there was a lot of lot of stuff happening. You know, like we we were we were posturing. They were they were you know bringing in the heavy hitters, the Joan Kerners and the Steve Bracks of the world. And you know, while whilst there was some a little bit of dancing, there, there wasn't wasn't much love. Kept, you know. <laughs> I know what you're saying, and then of course the the both, both clubs made presentations, and a, a lot's been said about that over the years that. Willie didn't really have a presentation. They just walked in and said, "Well, if you want to shoot Bambi off, you go." Um, and uh, and Werribee had done a lot of hard work about a twenty or twenty five page uh, submission with you know cash flows and budgets and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, and that that was uh, the level of detail we were prepared to go into. And I think we had high hopes back then. It was uh, Centenary Hall poking machines, and um, we had we had a, a decent sponsorship profile. We had a, a great 
major sponsor in Rick Wallaney yep. Toyota and you know, Rick, Rick was a major part of, of our club you know so uh, council were prepared to get him behind as well and you know there was there was there was lots lots of ground made yeah. from from the event in, in retrospect it probably set us up for the future um, even though it was a sad sad time so Ivo, when they came, when they when they said no when they said no that's uh, we're going to give the license to Williamstown where doesn't have a license was the was yeah. was it anger disappointment was it all those things rolled into one that kind of fueled everyone up to to sort of get into well, gear for the know, rally like, and all those things Kev, you you poke Monty in the eye, <laughs> you know, like that stirs up your imagination. He, he's a he's a he's a bloody dogged bloody man. He's uh, he had terrific fight in him, you know, and uh, he 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 brought people to the fight. There's no doubt. Like, yeah. you know, the license was granted to to Willie, you know, 1884. Uh, Steve Brax, Joan Kerner, yeah. uh, lots of political clout. Uh, not, not a bad residential area, and they were, they were fighting back. Tony Hanbury was back, and you know they were, they were, they were you know, having a bit of a grand slam, and we got expelled. Yeah, you know that was that was pretty heavy for the community, and um, you know the the next part was the the raw emotion. I remember remember Werribee Cup Day. Everyone everyone would come up and say, "We're right behind the footy club." You know, let's let's get this done and you know like you know every everyone was you know pretty highly charged and you know a young community sort of standing up to you know for what they stood for was uh, probably good timing like I said you don't go poking Bruce Bruce Montgomery <laughs> in the eye and I should point out we we, we uh, I, I spoke to Bruce um, uh, not for broadcast for the podcast but I did speak to him He's, he, he sort of wants to put not put it behind him but uh, just to let others speak about what happened rather than him go over it again and again uh, time after time I think he feels he's he's played that record a fair few times so uh, he doesn't he doesn't uh, walk away from what he did or any of that but certainly just yeah uh, preferred not to uh, not to have a chat about it at this stage uh, the the rally was an unbelievable day, wasn't it? It must have been so satisfying for for everyone involved to see, you know, upwards of five thousand people turn up. Yeah, look, um, again, it was it was from the from the people, you know, the locals, and um, uh, you know, the, the the local clubs. They, they didn't want to see see Werribee go down. They hadn't really embraced, you know, even after thirty years, sort sort of Werribee. Just didn't have that that power of community, but once once they uh, slapped us and uh, said, "No, you're you're out." Wow, you know, people bloody got angry, and yeah. you know the, the the emotion and everything that come with it, and you know we we, we brought in some of our you know heavier hitters, uh, Brucey Common, you know Frank Purcell was there, and Big Merv Hughes, of course, and Russell Mark, and you know they all stood up. And 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 you know spoke from the heart about what the what the footy club meant to them and what it what it can mean to the the community going forward. You know Rick Willaney there, of course, and you know then then we had the the heart and soul of the club. You know you, you, Donald McDonald, who who wasn't only our our first premiership coach, he he was a legend, and he he grabbed hold of our club and loved it with a passion. You know, and everyone loved Donald for that. You know, Lynn Wood, Lynn, but he committed a lifetime to Werribee Footy Club. You know, so so 
you know, lots of great people got behind the rally. It was it was well organised. Uh, it was um, uh, well supported by by thousand plus people. You know, the story goes that Ken Gannon was sitting up on on Brighton Street watching down, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I think I made a comment just. Turn around and wave to Ken now, please. We believe he's up in the, you know. But, uh, Not like you to poke the bear, Ivo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was a, it was around the emotion. You know, yeah, like it was. I was I was I was charged up, and you know, like we we wanted to we wanted to resurrect what what we thought was so wrong. So uh, Phil Cleary, I think he, he uh, made a mistake as well. He said something in the. In the press, oh, where it be held in the rally, but they won't get any more than what they can get in a phone box at the rally, and uh, that got around the city or the, the town pretty quick. Yep. And um, you know, again, it was you know poking the bear in the eye. You know, like people people didn't like those sort of things. You know, they talked about and yeah. So so the rally was highly successful and give us plenty of confidence that we had a platform to go forward and. You know the support of everyone, and um, next stage was was around what what we do next. And that was a that real was, political little kind of field in terms of uh, not political in terms of you know labor or liberal politics, but uh, political in terms of the way you had to go about getting uh, the the little band of men that were making that decision uh, led, uh, I think, mostly by Ian Collins and Ken Gannon, and that to to actually give the license back. Yeah, we had done some. Uh, Heavy work legally, and uh, you know there was threat of legal action, and we we, we believe we had a good basis. And probably the turning point was was we did get to Ian Collins. Uh, he was I think I think he was general manager of Colonial Stadium at that time. He was in business with Bruce Combin and and banger David Lyons. So uh, um, you know he he found a way to to get some level talks and. Uh, uh, you know, some discussion around, and the press know, certainly and, helped too. I mean, Adrian Dunn and Mike Sheehan uh, through yeah. uh, through the the Herald Sun had, had been championing the uh, the the Werribee cause. Yeah, well, Mike Mike was was terrific in the end. Adrian was the uh, BFA reporter, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And you know, I, th- I think I think most people thought we were hard done by, but you know, Mike was uh, an ex Werribee player, and I think again, banger. Called on, called on him as a you know an old mate, and um, you know played with him in, in the early days at Werribee, and you know we, we got we got some traction there, and so next next thing I think you know we were reinstated. I, I don't know the date of that. Yeah, no, I don't have anything on when that actual announcement was made. But geez, it uh, didn't it fuel the uh, the Werribee Willie rivalry over the years. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> not I think, that it needed a lot of fuel put on it, but nineteen ninety six round one the. Picture was Werribee and Willie and bloody uh, Willie. Willie got over us with uh, Merv, Merv Kane was coaching and um, uh, you know he brought a lot of he was he was ex Western Jets and brought a lot of bloody good young kids there. because yep. we couldn't get our hands on the Jets because you know even though we were, we were reinstated, we were reinstated new. Yep. they didn't give us didn't give us any any alignment. Uh, nothing. I think. Geelong Falcons were with Port Melbourne. We were up against it, you know, and it was a bit silly, you know, like they, they were basically saying, you know, you're back in, but we don't like you. 
you had to you had to have cop your whack. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, the first match back nineteen ninety six was obviously a humdinger, and everything was on the line a bit. Kev, you know, yep. round one, can you believe it? That uh, and Willie, Willie got us. But uh, yeah, there has been some great rivalry. Uh, oh yeah, from, from those times. And the truth of the matter is, if it was not for what happened then, uh, the football club would not exist. I would not be sitting here doing this podcast now uh, for the Werribee Football Club if it hadn't been for what you and uh, and Bruce and, uh, and David Brown and Banger and Mike Shin, all those blokes did uh, back in uh, 1995. Yeah, exactly, Kev. And, um, yeah, that, that certainly certainly was a, was a piece of history. Yeah. Uh, and was it? We weren't weren't too happy, Kev, about having to pay Willie for Werribee kids who went to Western Jets. Ooh. We had to pay them every time a Werribee kid went to Willie. We had to stump up some money to uh, uh, to get them to play for Werribee. And you'd look back and say, you know, we had, had the showdown at OK Corral because it was mid-street between <laughs> between Werribee and Willie. And you know, I think one of my uh, pet things was uh, uh, every month I'd charge bloody. Uh, cuz for sandwiches, half the sandwiches we had. <laughs> no, I was I was a bit silly too, you know. But uh, oh, anyway. well. all good fun. We all la- we can laugh about it now, fortunately, and uh, we have a very healthy football club, and hopefully uh, a lot to look forward to in uh, in uh, in twenty twenty one. Ivo, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for what you did for the club, but you and uh, you know a whole lot of people that were involved in that. Uh, the fact that we're still around today is is testament to what to what you did then. Appreciate your time, mate. Good on you, Kev. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. I hope uh, that interview with Ivo and the one before that with uh, Ken Gannon has uh, given you a little overview into into what happened in 1995, the things that went on and the way the Werribee Football Club, as it does so well in times of adversity, fought and fought and kicked and screamed and got our way to the door and uh, got the licence back and uh, have progressed on. And, uh, and hopefully 2021 will be a terrific season for the football club. All the details of uh, what 2021 will look like will come to you in the next podcast with our president, our CEO and our senior coach all detailing all the different aspects of the football club. Trust me, there's a lot going on right now. A lot of stuff behind the scenes in recruiting and sponsorship in all the things that we do in our community involvement. Everything that uh, the Werribee Football Club stands for is going full tilt at the moment to get ready for the 2021 season. We'll bring you all the details of that uh, with the, the powers that be of the club in the next podcast. My thanks to KFC, to Bendigo Bank, to Belan Holden, to CSCG and to Cryo Waste for being great supporters of our footy club and great supporters of this podcast. Maybe you can contact them all via their websites or give them a call. They're all open for business. They all want to talk to you. They all support the Werribee Football Club and we're all looking forward to 2021. With the Tigers bold in black and gold with a boy.